Welcome back to Season 4 of Pathways by Grenadian Steam, the podcast where we chat with West Indian professionals at home and in the diaspora who have worked in one or more of the fields of science, technology, engineering, architecture, or mathematics to understand what led them to choose the path they did, the successes, failures, and learnings they've had along the way, and in general, what careers are out there. This season, in addition to debuting full video episodes on YouTube and Spotify to help you feel more engaged, we will be including our members, both students and professionals, in the conversations, inviting them to share their own thoughts, ideas, and experiences on the topics brought up by our guests. This is in an effort to encourage and normalize discussions among people of all ages and levels within society. Thanks for tuning in, and I hope you enjoy the journey on today's pathway. Our guest for today is Sydney Robertson, a certified food scientist from Grenada, currently working at a plant-based food startup in New York. She graduated from the Illinois Institute of Technology in Chicago with a bachelor's degree in biochemistry and a master's degree in food safety and technology. After leaving college, she landed a job as a quality control technician and has moved through different roles within the food space in the last two years. Sydney currently works as a senior culinary research and development associate, where she focuses on recipe development for direct-to-consumer products, recipe, op recipe optimization, shelf life studies, various validation studies, and more. Having recently attained her Certified Food Scientist designation from the Institute of Food Technologists, Sydney hopes to continue to grow within her food career, exploring multiple facets of the industry. Welcome to Pathways, Sydney. Thank you for having me, Arlene. This is going to be interesting. Um, for those of you listening who may or may not know, Sydney is actually a past director of um, Grenstein and a very dear friend of mine. So, yes, the last time we talked, you were yelling at me for giving you wrong directions. So it's lovely to be with you. And this is true. Don't drive with her. But <laughs> all right. So as you know, we're going to start by introducing you to the guests, give a little bit of a brief history of Sydney, and then we're going to get into the discussion. All right. So tell us, where did you grow up? So a lot of people don't know this, but when I was born, my family lived in St. Paul, St. George, Grenada. And when I was around two, we moved to Westerhall, St. David. So even though I stayed in Westerhall until I left the island for college in 2016, we still maintained some ties to St. Paul's. Like we still go to church there, even though people wonder why, but that is why. <laughs> Got it. Okay. And can you list for us every school that you've ever attended from childhood up to now? Um, okay. So I went to preschool in the school called La Fontaine. Doesn't exist anymore. Rest in peace. <laughs> um, and that was a private preschool in St. Paul's. And then I moved on to the St. Mary's Junior School in Tempe for primary school. And then I went to St. Joseph's Convent in St. George's for secondary school moving on to T.A. Marshall Community College, and then finally um, going to Illinois Institute of Technology for my bachelor's and master's. And that's all the school, but TBD on if there's more school or not. Okay, all right. And as a student, mostly in your 
primary school to secondary school years, how would you describe yourself or how would others have described you? Hmm. I would say I was definitely the nerdy type. That might be a bit much of a description, but I love school. I like to do well in school. That was what I was good at. Um, in primary school, I was always trying to be on the top of my class. And if I ever wasn't, I would get upset. And then same thing in secondary school. Like to be on top of my class. I also like to be involved in extracurricular activities. I was never really the sporty type, but I did drama. I did Latin dance in primary school, um, brownies and girl guides did guitar for a bit in primary school, drum corps in secondary school, did maple for like two days. <laughs> and um, what else? I did choir in primary school, didn't quite make it in secondary school because I cannot carry a note. <laughs> and in primary school, it doesn't matter as much, right? It does not. And I learned that the hard way, but it's fine. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really was into school. I remember transitioning from primary school to secondary school. Everyone telling me that um, this is a different ball game. Like there's students from all over the island. You might not be on top of the class and that's okay. But I was determined to still be on top and still um, shine in the academics. So I remember distinctively my first term in Form 1 when I got my report. Um, they were delayed in marking the report book, so it wasn't going to be available until the Monday after school closed. But I usually got picked up from school and was in school late, and it was a Friday evening. I remember telling my form teacher, hey, I'm here, <laughs> so I'm going to be here late. So if you want to mark mine first, then that would be cool. And I'm sure she was annoyed with me. I would be annoyed with me, too. <laughs> Did she I do it? We she did because oh. I got my report book around maybe six o'clock and um I remember being scared to open it but excited and when I saw that I did come first in class like that was all that mattered to me even though my parents were like it's the average Sydney I'm like yeah that is nice but I still want to be on top so that's in a bubble the type of student I was <laughs> ever competitive okay so what was your first ever job that you can recall? Um, technically, my first ever job was as a secretary for the parish office at the Grand Ange Catholic Church, while the actual secretary was out on maternity leave. Mm. I did that for a while. I don't even remember how long, maybe a couple months and then I landed a job as a lab technician at the Grenada Distillers Limited, who makes Clark's Coat Rum, which is what I really consider my first job. But if we're going on technicalities, the secretary position was my first job. Okay, got it. All right, a little bit of a segue. Cool. And your current job or profession, we kind of gave it away in the bio, but one more time. So right now I work as a senior culinary research and development associate, which is quite a multiple. I usually say senior culinary R&D associate or just R&D associate for short. Mm -hmm. And I work at a plant-based startup in New York, serving direct-to-consumer products. So we do 
the manufacturing of the products and ship it directly to the consumer. So there's no middleman, like no retail involved right now. Got it. Okay. So that's Sydney in a nutshell. Mm-hmm. And now let's start right there. What does a culinary R&D associate do? So <laughs> at a startup, I wear many hats because it's a startup, but the bones of my job really involves a recipe development. So that's coming up with um, new recipes for our consumers based on guidelines passed on from like our innovation strategy teams. They would um, recognize some white space in the market and say, hey, Sydney, we want to fill this white space. Can you make this product within this cuisine, following these nutritional guardrails, and we want a margin of this, or we don't want to go above a production cost of this. And I would have to do a lot of iterations on the bench top, which is basically in the kitchen, and um, try to hit all those parameters that we want to hit and have team tastings to decide if it's going to go forward to commercialization or if we're going to scrap the project and start over. So that's recipe development. On top of that, there are products that already exist out in the market for us and we might have customer complaints about it or there might be some manufacturing complaints or maybe we just want higher margins. So I will work on trying to optimize those um, recipes or those products to achieve any of um those things like a higher margin or just address customer complaints or address um issues on the manufacturing side to make the product product more efficient to produce then on top of that i also do lead a lot of studies like shelf life studies to see how long a product lasts in market until the quality is deteriorated or might do a cook validation study to make sure that when we give customers prep instructions on the package, it helps the customer to achieve the desired texture that we want and also to reach a food safe temperature once it's prepared. And on top of that, I go to um, our first production trials when we're launching new products and anything else really that they decide to throw at me (laughs) and start up life. (laughs) It sounds like a lot, but it actually sounds really interesting too. dealing with foods and like coming up with new ingredients and knowing you, that's what you like to do. So (laughs) sounds good. So tell us, when did you actually decide on food as a career path? Mm -hmm. Um, or when did you decide on a career path at all? And then why why food? Why this one? It's been a windy road for me. I think um, growing up like in primary school and secondary school, I wanted to be a chef. Like I always just gravitated towards kitchen, gravitated towards food. But like every time I look at TV, it was Food Network. I was watching Chopped, envisioning myself competing when I got to college, all of that. But I think when I got secondary school and I was exposed to chemistry and the sciences and everything, I really fell in love with that world as well. And I couldn't really make up my mind which way I wanted to go. 
And sometime between secondary school and community college, I discovered food science. I don't remember when or how <laughs> I came across it, but I did. And I'm glad that I did, because for me, that was like the best of both worlds. And for a while, I was set on doing that, pursuing that as a career. But then along the way, a lot of things happened that had me wavering a bit. I decided I wanted to also do cosmetic science and then I wanted to do drug research and development. And I couldn't make up my mind between those three. So going into TAMCC, I decided to stick with a science-based curriculum. So I did pure math, biology, and chemistry. And then graduating TAMCC, I still was stumped, like, what do I do now? What do I even study in college? So I took a year to work and try to figure that out after TAMCC. And then I still ended up back at square one, <laughs> undecided between food science, cosmetic science, and drug research and development. So I spoke to um, one of my uncles and he said, well, biochemistry is a good base for all of those. So why not start off in biochemistry and take a couple of classes in each of those fields and get a feel of it? And maybe you can do your master's in one of them, which is mm -hmm. exactly what I did. Okay. <laughs> I went to college, did biochemistry as a bachelor's and while I was in um, IIT studying for my bachelor's, I took a couple food science classes and I really felt like it spoke to me and this is what I needed to be doing. I felt excited to go to class. I liked studying the material and I just liked everything about it. So um, thankfully, IIT had a program where you can do your bachelor's in biochemistry and then get a food science master's at the same time. So I tacked that on to my degree and it was it from then. I was set and on the food science path. Keep listening. We'll be right back after a short break. Enjoy your stay at True Blue Bay Boutique Resort, a family-run, eco-friendly waterfront resort in the beautiful island of Grenada. Choose between tropical rooms, suites, or villas, and enjoy complimentary breakfast, access to four pools, guided water sport activities, as well as the option for spa treatments, yoga classes, diving, and snorkeling trips. Relax by one of the pools and get drinks served to you from the poolside bar, or go adventuring the coastline on our kayaks, finding turtles, eagle rays, or even lobsters. Perfect for families, couples, and single travelers, True Blue Bay Resort has something for everyone. Email reservations at truebluebay.com for bookings and inquiries. Well, you mentioned your um, your uncle mm -hmm. being able to assist you when you were trying to figure out what you wanted to do. Do you did you have any mentors along the way? Would you have considered him a mentor? Were there other people that you were able to speak to, um, either you know before deciding or even? along the journey through university and getting into your career? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say that I have a true mentor per se, but I do generally have or have had people that have gone to for advice, whether it comes to school or just making life choices. And within IIT, the university and 
after that looking for my first job I would definitely say one of those people were you <laughs> I feel like I bugged you a lot <laughs> I don't know why you weren't expecting that but <laughs> I feel like I bugged you a lot in terms of making career decisions or like reading my resume or cover letter this so. is true <laughs> exactly. so thank you you're welcome and um there was one lady that I did run into very randomly once at IIT. So I was working as a community desk assistant at IIT one summer and this black woman walks by and then she walks by again and she sees me, a black student, and looks at me and says, do you go to IIT? I was like, yes, yes, I do. And she was so surprised. She's like, black person going to IIT, love to see it. Um, and talking to her, I was, I found out that she was running a summer program for underrepresented high school students to help them get more involved in STEM. And this program was being hosted at IIT. Uh, so we got to talking and then I found out that before doing that, she spent years in the food industry. It's like, what are the odds? <laughs> and I got to talking to her and I said, hey, I'm studying food science right now. I'm about to graduate. And she gave me a lot of advice and helped me a lot through my initial job search, passing me on to colleagues that she had at different companies who helped me get interviews and I'm very grateful for her. So Tracy, if you're listening, I really do owe you a call. <laughs> but, um, and on top of that, I was able to help her with her program in that um, the program had a lot of different like networking nights and things where they needed young professionals to come in and talk to the students. So I, I gathered all my professional friends and told them, you know, hey, let's come help out all these high school students and get them used to networking and talking about themselves. So from time to time, if she needs help, she would ask me about that. So there, ha it has been like a symbiotic relationship, but I definitely feel like I need to do better at keeping up those mentor type relationships. So I feel like I struggle with that a bit. So, mm. yeah. I love that. I love the that you were able to find that two-way street, which can be very difficult, speaking from experience, um, <laughs> when you feel like, you know, I just, I, I need information from you. I don't have mm -hmm. anything to give back. But yeah, even things like that, helping them with, you know, networking and finding people as well. Yes. Great. So that, what you were just saying kind of leads into my next question about how you really established yourself in the industry. Um, mm -hmm. I know that it was a little bit of a struggle for you. It sounds like it was very easy from mm -hmm. our discussion so far, but can you talk a little bit about like actually being able to find a job um, mm -hmm. also as an international student, if you want to go from that direction, leaving college? Being an international student is <laughs> the bane of my existence, but um, being in IIT, like, you always hear, you need to get an internship, you need to get an internship, get an internship. And I literally tried to do that from the moment I stepped foot on campus, but it just was not as seemingly easy as people made it sound. 
Mm-hmm. And um, there weren't a lot of people in food science necessarily at IIT or people who were doing my program because I knew people in food science, but they were all graduate students. They had different levels of experience than I did. And it was just slightly different, but there weren't a lot of like undergrads who were doing both their bachelor's and a master's and doing food science that I knew. So from the jump, I felt kind of alone. I'm like, who do I ask about this um, very niche experience? So I tried to join professional organizations that were at least adjacent to what I was doing. So when I was doing biochemistry as a science student, I joined the National Society of Black Engineers, which is more focused on engineering, but there are scientific jobs available. And I'm sure you've had the struggle with finding architecture jobs yes. <laughs> at an SB conference. So going to all the conferences, I'd be ready, going to talk to people. And sometimes there would be one or two food companies there. But the recruiters that were there were never recruiting for food jobs. So they had, they couldn't answer my questions. They just didn't have the information that I needed from them. And then I remember landing one interview and it was just a long time of preparing to have the initial conversation that I never prepared to have an actual interview on the spot. So the first time that I got it, I was just like, well, damn, what do I do now? (laughs) You know, so and it was with a company that I really wanted to work with back then. Um, less so now that I know the food industry, but I got the interview. She asked me questions and I left there feeling like I really bombed that interview, (laughs) but it was a learning experience. But after going throughout all my years at IIT, I was never really able to land like an internship over the summer or like during the semester, like a lot of my peers had, Uh but I did um have some work experience on campus like just being a resident advisor being a community desk assistant and then I worked as a student assistant for the clinical nutrition research center on campus which is very nutrition focused but it's still in the realm of food science and In my last semester, I worked as a graduate assistant for some FDA scientists because funny enough, um, IIT has a shared um, institute with the FDA. So a lot of the food science grad students at IIT get to work with FDA scientists. And this specific FDA scientist knew that I was an undergrad and I had zero time to spend like days at a time in the lab. Mm-hmm. But she literally said, I'm going to take you on on this project so you can put this on your resume. It's oh. going to help you. And I was just doing like more admin stuff like research and background presentation. Um, research for them presentations while the other students were actually doing the actual work (laughs) but I still um, really appreciated that she did that and I still learned a lot so having that experience was all the experience that I have leaving leaving school Mm -hmm. and then when I actually got into the job search I kid you not I probably applied to over 100 jobs while I was looking for jobs um, once I graduated and 
Half the time you hear no response, not even a rejection, just radio silence. Nothing. Mm -hmm. And then when you do get an interview, they say it's all good and then no response. <laughs> and then if you make it to further stages and you let them know that you're an international student, it's like, oh, we can't do that. <laughs> I'm sorry. <Yeah. laughs> so it's just been um, quite a journey after like, and with the interview process, I heard like contradicting advice. Some people would say, tell them upfront you're an international student. Others would say, wait until the end, until you know that they definitely want you for sure. In the end, I end up going with the first approach because I didn't want to waste my time. I didn't want to waste their time. I'm like, this is the situation. I'm letting you know, if this is not something you do, I'm on to the next one. Right. But actually landing my job was a very funny story. <laughs> I was looking for um, food companies to work with. I came across my company and um, at first they didn't have any entry-level jobs that were in my field. It was more engineering jobs, IT jobs, marketing jobs. But they have a very, very strong marketing game. So looking them up that one time, I saw them everywhere. Ads on my Instagram, ads on Facebook, ads everywhere. So over the months, I kept checking. And then they finally had a job open that was within my field. Applied for the job, didn't hear anything for a month. But I was really excited about this. And I'm sure you remember because I sent you my cover letter. I you do. didn't tell that. I actually wanted that job. Yes. <laughs> so um, they were recruiting for another position, but in person in Chicago. And I decided to go meet them and say, hey, I applied for this job. It's not what you're recruiting for, but what's next? <laughs> and I did that. They were like, yeah, sure. Let me take your information. I'll get you an interview. And it was that easy. I had the interview probably interviewed with um, three people at once. And then maybe the next two weeks, they offered me the job and that was it. <laughs> I was getting ready to move to New York, but this was actually the beginning of the pandemic. Right. And in the beginning of the pandemic, New York was the worst place to be. So they told me to hold on for a while. And then I was working from home in Chicago for a bit and then moved to New York, maybe in August of 2020. So that was my job search journey. In a nutshell. I'm reliving it with you. And <laughs> yeah. I remember the struggle. <laughs> yeah. But look where you are now. And okay, where I am. It was like a pop-up shop, right? That we went to yeah. and you met them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if it wasn't for that one moment, probably a resume would have just slipped through the cracks. Never know. I tell you, like, sometimes you just need to try things it. and just go for it. I mean, the worst they can say is do, but at least you tried. Exactly. Awesome. So in all of that, um, and even, you know, after getting the job, mm -hmm. if your coworkers aren't listening, <laughs> was there any point where you questioned your decisions <laughs> or your choice to get into food science? Keep listening. We'll be right back after a short break. This season of Pathways is brought to you by Telesford Countertop and General Construction Services. 
your number one source for quartz and solid surface. Their services are not only limited to countertops, their team builds homes, cabinets, vanities, does 3D images, renovations, and quantity estimates. Telesford Countertop and General Construction Services mission statement is pride and delivery upon customer satisfaction. Contact them today at 435-0133 to get started on your construction project. Hmm. I don't think, well, actually, that's a lie. <laughs> there were points um, where I did question that because I love the Gen Z millennial generations where salary transparency is a thing and people are free to talk about money. And just looking at maybe what another career path would earn at entry level versus what is average for food science. I remember thinking, why am I here? Where did I go wrong? <laughs> but <laughs> it got better. <laughs> it eventually got better. But um, in the beginning, it was a bit bleak for me, especially mm -hmm. being in like an expensive city like New York. I definitely said, wow. IT was right there and here, here I am, like <laughs> those tech girlies, you know, but that was the only time I really questioned food science per se. Every other time that I'm working or doing my job, like I love being in food and like I love cooking. It just gives me joy. It gives me energy. So um, I don't question that part about the job. And then questioning my decisions in general, I've definitely questioned my decision to come to study in the States when I was mm -hmm. looking for jobs because okay. I applied to eight universities. Seven of them were in Canada. Wow. One was in the States and I ended up in the States. I don't think I knew that. Uh-huh. Yeah. And looking back, like while I was in university, I would talk to my friends in Canada and they would be like, yeah, I work at this coffee shop or I work here. I do this. And I'm thinking to myself, I can literally only get a job on campus. And if I don't get a job on campus, I can't just go to Starbucks and say, hey, I need a job or go to Target. Like I was limited to that. So um, in terms of making money to do my day-to-day -day living, like it was just limited to on-campus jobs. And I feel like the Canadian immigration system, at least from the outside looking in, is just much less restrictive and easier versus the U.S. one. So that decision I question every now and then, but <laughs> I'm still here, still standing. Interesting but important perspective there. Okay, good to know. All right, so food science in general, developing foods out of, you know, new ingredients or testing ingredients, all of that. It sounds like something that we can do in the Caribbean. <laughs> yes. That we could really use with all the abundance of fruits and so on that we have. Mm -hmm. So is that, first of all, is there something that you know of that exists already for that? And if not, how do you see that field of work being applied here? 
I mean, I think there's definitely room for more food production in the Caribbean, but there isn't zero food production. Like we, um, there's a lot of food industries, more so in like Jamaica, Trinidad, Barbados, you know, you have Sunshine Snacks in Jamaica, there's Pine Hill and Wibisco in Barbados, Matuk, Chief, a whole bunch in Trinidad. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot, but I think there could be even more food production and especially in the smaller islands like Grenada. Um, we import a lot. The price of food in the supermarkets is ridiculous. And we have the raw materials. It's just the value addition that we need to focus on. Like there's mangoes rotting on the ground. There's a whole bunch of like medicinal herbs and spices, and we can do so much more with it. I think like we've definitely made a start, but there's room for more. And on top of that, what I think is missing in the Caribbean is having a laws that guide food production. Like mm -hmm. the European Union has their own stuff. The US has the FDA and the USDA, which serve as regulatory bodies for food production. And a lot of these guidelines are encoded into law. But in the Caribbean, I feel like it's more voluntary. Like do it if you want to. Like you know it's good, so do it. But it's not like if you don't do this, there will be consequences type of thing. Right. And I feel like a lot of manufacturers, they just choose a regulatory body to model their products after. Like, okay, let's look at what the FDA is doing for a nutritional label. We'll do that. Let's look at the European Union. We'll do that. And it would be lovely if there was a Caribbean food regulatory body and if our governments would encode that into law. So you you also talked a little bit about um, the fact that you work on like margins and costs and so on when you're developing your products. So yeah. I don't want to put you on the spot too much, but I noticed that sometimes you would think that, you know, if we're creating local foods locally here, that it would be cheaper than the imported ones. And mm -hmm. a lot of the times that is not the case, especially with things like chocolates and so on. So do you have any insights that you can share into why that may be or ways that maybe we can even optimize what we do create here so that it's less expensive? Insights. That would be <laughs> well, initially off the bat without giving it too much thought and being put on the spot, mm -hmm. um, we might have like very high production costs at home because there isn't too much um, manufacturing equipment. Like if I wanted to go in and start a business mm -hmm. in the US, we have co-manufacturing facilities, like companies that just exist to make products for other people. You have all the equipment that you'd want and you just need to go in and say, this is what I need for my process. Let's arrange the equipment like this and we can get moving. But mm -hmm. at home, if you needed to do that, I need to input all my equipment and put all those um, costs up from myself. And then having... Um, less of a demand 
will make the cost of production higher because if I'm setting like a thousand units out per minute versus five units out per minute, like what I'm creating based on my demand is not offsetting my initial cost to set up production. So I think just things like that, maybe the demand locally is not high enough for like some of the products that are being introduced into the market at home. So it's not really um, offsetting the production cost. So they need to increase the price on the consumer end in order to make the production make sense. Got it. That actually makes a lot of sense. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Interesting. That's something I've thought of before, like the co-manufacturing spaces. Yes. Um, which I'm sure would be very useful, but you know, very. but maybe one day, one day. I'll have to think a bit more on that question as to why specifically yeah. prices are so high at home. But yeah, I'd love to hear more about it. Yeah. Okay. Um, so back to the job a little bit. Just tell us like what, what do you enjoy most about your job? And which I think I maybe know the answer to. And then what, what are some things you don't like about the job? Okay. Um, enjoy most is definitely recipe development. Mm -hmm. I love to have the creativity and freedom to just create new products. And um, as much as I can put a little bit of myself into the product or a little bit of my culture into the product and introduce my coworkers to Caribbean flavors. Um, what I don't, oh, and I actually really like the people I work with and my company culture and environment. I think my company is a very young, energetic company and we all have a very can-do attitude to it. It's not like, well, this is the way it's always been done. It's like, how can we change? How can it be done? Like, how can we get to our end goal? And what I don't like per se is that it's a startup and anyone who knows a startup knows that we move at a hundred miles per hour all the time. <laughs> so you just have to be very agile in dealing with like changing environments, changing priorities, changing goals, changing job titles, <laughs> changing a lot of things. And it can burn you out very quickly if you're not careful. But thankfully my company has unlimited PTO. So when I'm feeling burned out, I just take a day <laughs> to ground myself again. Good. Awesome. All right. So you're a few years in, a couple of years in, what do you think the next five, 10 years maybe will do for your career? Where do you want to see yourself go? So loaded question. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I think, like you said, I'm literally just over two years into my career and very young in my career. For right now, I definitely want to gain as much experience as I can in different facets of the food industry. Like when I started off, I worked in quality control, which is like on the food safety and quality side of things. And now I'm in product development. There's so many other aspects to the food industry, like um, sensory science, there's supply chain, there's packaging, 
there's so much and I would like to get the chance to at least work in those areas in some capacity to really find where I'm most happy and just as a food professional in general it's great to be like that well-rounded so definitely see myself progressing towards getting as much experience as I can and to never stop learning like you mentioned in my bio I just got my certified food scientist designation and then maybe in two weeks I'm about to take a two-day century course at a local university and just expanding my knowledge and being the best food person that I can be and maybe in not the next actually five years maybe I would love to go to culinary school or at least do like a short course culinary program because having the food science background is great but having even more of that culinary background I feel like it would put me in a place where I can fit into both worlds which I kind of like I have two questions for that but first I need to know what is sensory science (laughs) (laughs) so sensory science is basically the science of how people perceive food with all senses so taste smell texture everything all together so it involves a lot of um testing and the statistical background to analyze the results of those tests so let's say um as a food company wanted to change the seasoning that I use on a potato chip and because the new seasoning is much cheaper than the one we're currently using mm-hmm. I would love to know if my consumers will be able to pick up on that change so I might do like a do a 3 test or a tetra test which is basically involves putting different samples together one might be the new one one might be the old one one might be um some other one or another of the old one and you have the consumers taste it and rank if they can tell a difference or not or like if there's a preference like there are different tests you need to do based on what results you're trying to achieve and that's in a nutshell what sensory science is and then there's a bunch of statistics like if a certain percentage of the consumers can tell the difference then okay you're good to make the change if they can't you know things like that so yeah sometimes I wish I studied food science (laughs) these are very interesting things and like people just don't know like all of this goes into their pack of chips right like they're just like yeah I'm eating some sour cream and onion yeah I don't know if it was you know like what was in there but Mm -hmm. anyway good to know um and my other questions if you can explain the difference between food science and culinary like okay what exactly culinary arts is more focused on flavors and technique in producing food for like maybe a restaurant setting or like 
in a private home or something like that. Whereas food science is more focused on producing um, packaged goods or um, products that are either going through retail or direct to consumer that aren't meant to be um, prepared and eaten immediately, basically. So mm. there is some sort of shelf life associated with it. And it's definitely manufactured on more of a larger scale. So in that, there needs to be um, a more technical eye on what ingredients that we use because of how long the food needs to last. Like, I can't just fry some potato chips in my kitchen and put it in a Ziploc bag and ship to you. You're not going to get it as potato chips. You're going to get a bag of mold. So <laughs> We don't want that. Food science focuses on how can we make the product in a way that lasts and that can be shippable and still enjoyed. Mm. That makes Interesting. sense. Yeah, makes yeah. sense. And it sounds very important because <laughs> I don't want a bag of mold. <laughs> exactly. And but there are ways to do this without over processing the food or adding all these unsavory things that we hear about. Right. In our packaged foods. So there are, but the shelf life may not be as long like it might not last as long or you might be limited to the temperature at which you serve the foods. Like, for instance, my food company works a lot with clean label, fresh things. And as a consequence of that, we only make frozen products because that is one way to guarantee a longer shelf life without adding a whole bunch of preservatives and all these um other chemicals that may feel unsavory to the consumer. Okay, got it. Yeah. Where there's a will, there's a way. <laughs> yes. Okay. So to wrap up, um, mm -hmm. let's see if you could take a little trip back in time, visit your younger self. Mm -hmm. I'll let you choose the age. Let's say like 15, 18, or 21. Um, what is one thing that you would tell her? I would choose my 15 year old self, the youngest, mm -hmm. and I will definitely tell her to um, go hard after what you want and put yourself out there. The worst thing people can say is no, and it's not going to hurt you. You'll be fine. <laughs> so um, I've been learning that a lot lately that literally when you ask for what you want, a lot of the times you get it. <laughs> so just ask for what you want. Um, make sure people know what you want. Um, put that out into the world and you'll be okay. I think we could all serve well to remember that every once in a while. Yeah. But good advice. Okay. Awesome. Well, Sydney, thank you so much for sharing. I honestly learned a lot today, even knowing you and talking to you about your job. Um, there's still so much that is involved that you don't really know or recognize on the surface. So thank you for sharing. I'm sure that those listening will have learned something as well. 
and be able to take away. And maybe you'll have some people calling you up to say, how do I get into food science? <laughs> Send them my way. <laughs> awesome. So thanks again for joining today. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you again, Arlene. And to the listeners, thank you for joining us on today's Pathway. Keep listening. We'll be right back after a short break. Enjoy a stay at True Blue Bay Boutique Resort, a family-run, eco-friendly waterfront resort in the beautiful island of Grenada. Choose between tropical rooms, suites, or villas, and enjoy complimentary breakfast, access to four pools, guided water sport activities, as well as the option for spa treatments, yoga classes, diving, and snorkeling trips. Relax by one of the pools and get drinks served to you from the poolside bar, or go adventuring the coastline on our kayaks, finding turtles, eagle rays, or even lobsters. Perfect for families, couples, and single travelers, True Blue Bay Resort has something for everyone. Email reservations at truebluebay.com for bookings and inquiries. Thanks so much for listening. We would absolutely appreciate your comments and feedback as we try to make this podcast more beneficial for you, our listeners and watchers. If you're listening on Spotify or Apple Podcasts, please take a minute to press the review button, let us know how we're doing, and let others know that this is something that's worth their time. We also love to see your comments and engagement on social media, so head over to the post and let us know what you think about this latest episode.